Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. excited to get back into our sermon series, Standing on the Promises of God. And uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the life of Abraham, and uh, we, we saw how God took him from his place of comfort at home, and said, go to a land that I will show you. So how many of you were there for that one? All right, with a showing of hands. Good. If you weren't here, or you were not able to be present, um, and you didn't know we were in a series, you could always check out uh, the sermon podcast on Spotify or on iTunes. Just search Weston Road Pentecostal Church, and you'll find it. And you could uh, listen back to everything that we've done And so Abraham, this is two weeks ago, we looked at how God told him to leave. And Genesis 12, verses 1 and 2, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. This is what God said to Abraham. And Abraham and Sarah are old. And they can't have children. So this is the big problem for them when they hear all of this. Is like, well, that's awesome, but there are some complications to what you're telling us, God. Because they knew the reality of their situation. They were old and they weren't able to have children. What's interesting, and we covered this two weeks ago, is they tried to fix and solve the problem on their own. When Sarah told her husband, here, take my servant as your wife, maybe God will will do it this way. And so they used their their best ability to try to solve the problem. But the, the beauty of all of this is God actually told them, and he said, that's not my plan. That's not the way it's going to happen. In fact, it's going to be through your old wife, Sarah. And she's going to be the one to give you a son, and you're going to call him Isaac. And we ended last week in Genesis, two weeks ago, in Genesis 21, verses 1 and 2. I'll reread it for us. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. So God gave Abraham a son through Sarah. But how many, of you, how many of you know that one child doesn't necessarily make you the father of a great nation? Right? It's, it's just like one step in seeing God's promise fulfilled through Abraham. And a lot of times we might just get that first step. Abraham had a son. He couldn't have one before. And, and we are content and happy with the first thing that God did, does or did. But for Abraham, this is just the beginning of seeing what God is going to do. And a promise from God doesn't come free of challenges either, by the way. And we're going to see today, we're going to stick with Abraham, but we're adding Isaac to the story today. Um, Isaac's a teenager at this point. We're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 22. And if you have your Bible, would you stand with me? And and we're going to read the scripture together. Genesis chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. Genesis 22, verse 1. We're going to read quite a bit of this passage, but I don't make any apologies. What I will say is, if you're standing now and you cannot stand halfway through, it's okay to sit if your legs can't, can't bear. But I don't make an apology for reading scripture in church. It's a little bit long, but that's okay. But I want you to stay with me because it's important. Verse 1, Genesis 22, it'll also be on the screen behind me. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. That's a heavy verse, by the way. The next morning, 
Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your own son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, or your Bible might say Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your own son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And our last verse, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word. God, I pray that our hearts would be opened, Lord, to hearing what your Spirit wants us to know, to learn, and also to, to receive as seed for our lives. God, I pray that uh, every distraction would be removed now in the name of Jesus, and we loose your Holy Spirit to do his work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This is one of, one of my favorite passages in Scripture um, because of the complexity and the tension that we find in it. If, if, uh, I know there's one author in the house. Maybe there are other people who, who write and uh, who love words and writing. Uh, maybe you're a blogger. Who knows? A copywriter. However that looks for you, um, this is a story that, that's, that's rich in tension and, and drama Maybe not for many people, but certainly for Abraham as, as a main character with his son Isaac. Um, God tells him to do something incredible, but we, we have one a tip, a little secret that Abraham did not know. And, and in verse 1, we read it, but it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. So as readers of the story... We know it's only a test, but how many of you know you still have to pass the test, right? We know it's a test, but did Abraham really perceive that God was testing him? Or did he just see it as, God gave me a command, now I have to ask myself, am I going to obey? Or am I just going to say, God, you crossed the line now. I thought, you know, telling us we'd have children and have a son that you would bless us through, that's pretty crazy. You did it, but now this is just ridiculous, telling us to now sacrifice this son. This is a bit of what, as a parent, if we have parents here, 
you, you think about your own children, the blessing that they are, and sometimes maybe you choose different words to describe what it is like, but um, they're a blessing from the Lord. And the thought of losing a child, we, in the news this week in Brampton, if, if you heard the 11-year-old girl, like my heart breaks. Why would a father do that to his own child? Meanwhile, in this text... And I didn't pick this text because of what happened in the news, just so we're on the same page. I knew that this is where we're at to, to, to go in our series. But the thought of a parent having to do this to their child is not easy for Abraham to consider what God is asking him to do. So at the same time, though, this passage contains the last great test in Abraham's faith. To see, God wanted to see, okay, are you really ready? Are you really, really ready to obey me? And in verse 1, we're told it's a test. But to Abraham, it's a scary command. It's a scary command. It held emotional and theological consequences because, here it is, the fulfillment of the promise of blessing depended on Isaac, this child. The fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham depended on Isaac. So when God says, take this son and sacrifice him, it's like, but God, the promise you gave us is dependent on him. How does it make sense? Well, to be honest, it doesn't. It doesn't. So we're going to look at through this little part of Abraham and Isaac's journey what it's going to require of us when we receive a promise from God. So the subheading, the title today of our series is always the same, uh, Standing on the Promises of God. We're looking at Abraham and Isaac, but if you need a subheading, this is it. What to do when God gives you a promise. What to do when God gives you a promise. Number one is this, be available. Be available. You were available perhaps in the beginning, so I could even say it in two ways. Be available or remain available. Remain available for God. So we know it's a test, but the Bible says in verse 1, God called him and he responded, yes, here I am. It kind of echoes to me later on in Scripture, Samuel as a young boy, when he's there with Eli the priest, and he hears a voice calling, Samuel, Samuel was still young, and the voice of the Lord was rare, but his response, finally Eli clued in in, in, the, in the story of Samuel, and he said, oh, if you hear the voice again, say, here I am, for your servant is listening. Here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. And here Abraham responds in a very similar way in Genesis 22, verse 1, yes, here I am. And I'm sure Abraham wasn't even anticipating this kind of instruction from God. So God calls. You think he's a good father. He's got good things in store. And we think that God only gives good things. I want you to know that's true. God will never give you sickness. God will never give you disease, cancer. It does not come from God. It comes from the devil. And so I just want to be very clear. But what God does allow is a, some testing. And God will allow us to experience some things. Sometimes it's because of your own choosing that you will end up in a certain situation. God in His goodness is still close by. I want you to know. But in this case, and I want to just fast forward to the life of Jesus... It says that after his baptism, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for a time of fasting, but also testing, where the devil tested him on three different occasions. And by the way, last week's message uh, with our guest speaker, Vineeth, was on uh, the Word of God. Jesus used the Word to fight the devil. So for us, our, one of our best ways we can battle Whatever opposition we have is with the Word of God. Remember, to know the promises of God in His Word, we need to know the Word of God so that we can then build our lives on the promises of God. So Abraham, you know, God gave him an incredible promise. 
he even did the impossible and gave them this son called Isaac through his wife Sarah. They were both old now. Abraham was 100, Sarah was 90 when they had Isaac. Isaac's now a teenager. And so when God calls, Abraham's like, here I am thinking, I don't, like, I don't expect anything of crazy right now. But God is the one who's testing Abraham's faith. And he's the one who tells him what to do. And so we have to say that, number one, what to do when God gives you a promise you have to be available. There's no, no, no assurance. I can't guarantee you it's always going to be a good thing when God's going to be calling on you. Maybe he's going to give you something that's not easy to deal with. He might be calling you to go and leave your father's home, a place of comfort. And you say, well, God, that's hard for me. He knows. But maybe he has something in store for you. And I'll always liken it to when I left the comfort of my home my mom's cooking all of this stuff to go to Bible school. And I remember she helped me set up my room. My dad took a picture of us because I was so proud. I'm like, this is awesome. My room's amazing. The sheets are washed, everything. But I remember when they left, I was looking out the window and that feeling of, I'm, what do I do now? When the sheets get dirty, what do I do? All right? She explained you know, and taught me before I left for Bible school. But... Oftentimes, it's our availability. We have to be available to God. I left because I felt God calling me, but it wasn't easy. It, it came with sacrifice. It came with uh, me making myself available to whatever God had. So when we are talking about being available, what, what do you do with the promise of God? Or when God gives you a promise, you have to remain available. Because... You can't say, well, God, I like the son, the promise of a son. That was awesome, what you did there. I don't like now what you're telling me to do on this side. You, you don't get to pick and choose with God. But when you say, Lord, I'm available, and God gives you a task, you also have to be assured of this other promise that he says, and I will be with you even till the end of the age. This is for you and for me, the words of Jesus. So if God leads you to something... Know that he will also lead you through it. It's important you catch that. Because often you think, like, God's not going to say, go do this. Like, shoo, shoo, go, go do it, do it. And then just like, I hope they're okay. I hope they're going to make it. That, that's not the kind of God that he is. I've learned that if he leads you to something, he'll lead you through it as well. It doesn't mean he's going to deliver you from the hard thing. A lot of times we put our opinion in our prayer and we say, God, deliver me from this. And maybe God's saying, I hear your prayer, but that's not the way it's going to happen. I want you to walk through this. And it relates back to the people of Israel. God freed them from Egypt. They were three days away, three-day journey to the promised land, but it took 40 years. And I want to say that the process is important. The process is important. So, number one, if you are available with the first promise, be available after the promise. Because God's going to continue to lead. He's going to continue to guide. And I love Abraham's response. He said, yes, Lord, here I am. So let God always have your yes and your here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Number two, actually I have a question. Does God have your yes when it comes to your availability? Just don't put your hand up, just think about it. Does God have your yes when it comes to your availability? I want to, some of you who serve, you get scheduling emails, accept or decline. Um, I'm talking a little beyond that. I'm saying when God speaks, does he have your yes for availability? Even if he says, I want you to spend five hours a week doing this, are you willing to, to do it? Are you available to God in that way? Or does it have to be on your terms? Because when I think of the word availability, it's, it's basically clearing my schedule, right? Making room, making availability possible. 
right? Some of us have busy schedules, but God is not even on it. So, does God have your yes when it comes to your availability? And then a second question, does your yes come before or after God gives the details? <laughs> right? Because if it was Abraham's case, uh, like this is what I want you to do. Oh, Lord, I, I, I'm not available actually. I can't go with Isaac. This is really not a good time. Right? But when we say, God, you have my availability, we will do we will do it. Before we understand maybe what it is, we're going to do it. Number two, what to do when God gives you a promise is be obedient. Be obedient. And in verse two and three, this is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. This is, you, you won't find greater tension than in this command that the question is, will you be obedient? Verse two, take your son and the emphasis, there's a comma in my Bible, in the New Living Translation. Take your son, comma, your only son. Like, Lord, did you really have to point it out again? Did you really have to highlight that this is the one and only one? But you know what? I think that's why the test is valuable. Because if he had 100 kids, maybe it's easier to say, sure, I'll just take one. But when you only have one, are you still going to be obedient? Even if it doesn't make sense, when you only have one, are you willing to give it up? Forget, forget this story, your own life. If God speaks a word and, and you feel like, well, I only have this, God, this is all I have. Are you willing to release it to God if he's asking you? Are you willing to be obedient even if it doesn't make sense? Take your one and only son Yes, Isaac, like just in case Abraham didn't get it. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. So God is also saying, I, I know not only that you have one son and his name is Isaac, the one I promised you, but the one that you also love. And are you willing to be obedient? Are you willing to be obedient? Okay, availability. Yes, God. Now God speaks. Are you obedient? I think of Jonah who didn't get it right the first time. He had to go through a series of uh, nights in the belly of a fish. And I don't even want to think about what it must have felt like and smelled like. But what I do know is he prayed. He was humbled and he was on his knees or sitting on his butt, whatever, however that looked like, crying out to God. And then he realized, no, God, you've asked me to do this. That's Jonah. But what, what about you? What about you? When God speaks, are you obedient? Are you, or are you the one who processes and goes, ah, I, I, I can't do that, God. I, I'm not, I'm not going to, I can't go there. Lord, I can't open my mouth in front of that group of people and say that. I can't do, Lord, I can't lay hands on that sick person in the cafeteria. But if God has asked you to do that, you have to be obedient. If God says, give all your money away, would you do it? I don't even know if I could say yes, to be quite honest, or give up our house. Can we do it? I don't know, because obviously we need somewhere to sleep at night. But I want to get to the point in my own life, I'm just being real with you, that's, that's the, all I know how to do is where if God said, give this away, do it. Can I be obedient? And there was a story where I was in Bible school, and I, I, I love Puma, in case you never knew. Um, like the t-shirts I wear, and the I don't buy too many nowadays, but uh, I, I like wearing my Puma tracksuit jackets. And I'll never forget, I got this, like the perfect color combination that I liked. It was like an off-white jacket with red and blue like accent colors and I was like I love this jacket I, and it was the first Friday night I wore it to youth group that we were leaders that I was playing drums and I kid you not during worship as we were playing drums like I just cut the price tag off the jacket before church started 
And I felt the Holy Spirit say, and by the way, in Bible school, you don't have a lot of money. So I, I bought that in Boston at the Puma store. And so, like, it was a sacrifice for me to buy the jacket. But I, I liked it. And I was like, I'm going to wear this for a long time. That night in the worship, we were leading worship for the youth. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak. And how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? I just feel this heavy voice, like I can't shake what I'm feeling here. And I was like, God, are you asking me to take this jacket off and give it to this young guy? His name was Vinny. Vinny Fico. I'll never forget. And I thought, oh, of course, I'll never forget. I didn't even get a picture of me in the jacket. This is before, like, iPhone, iPhones and stuff. But I remember... Um, I took off the jacket at the end of the night, and I was like, Lord, everything inside of me here says, what are you doing? But everything in my heart and what I sense your spirit saying, the voice inside saying, give it and be obedient. I took off the jacket, and, and I said, Vinny, I, I don't know why, but I just feel God wanted me to give you this jacket. And I don't remember his response with words, but I just remember, like a kid that he was, a teenager, it, it fit him perfectly, and he was the most excited kid that night um, leaving that place. And, and I don't know what that meant to him, to be quite honest, uh, because I was just so concerned about, like, I don't have a jacket. And number two, I was more concerned with my obedience, to be honest. So I, I know what it kind of feels like, and then we're just talking about a, a a 50, 60 dollar, American dollar jacket. But, but what about when it <clears throat> requires something that is near and dear to your heart? And I know that maybe we're not at that place, like I even uh, confessed this morning. But what if God speaks to us? Will we be obedient? My answer, by default, has to be Yes. Well, I've already said, God, here I am. Take my life. It's yours. Everything I have is a byproduct of your blessing in my life. So if God says to bless someone in a specific way or to do something in a specific way, can we do it? Can I do it? Can you do it? Again, everything inside here will say, don't do it. And if you try to seek counsel and advice, people will advise you, are you crazy? Don't do it. But that's why there's a difference between advice from friends and what the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. And so when God gives a promise, make sure you're available, number one. And number two, make sure that you are obedient. And verse three tells us about Abraham's character in all of this. Because God tells him what to do in verse two. But look at verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. And, and it continues on to describe what he did before they left. But the next morning, how long did Abraham ponder it? How long did he sit on what God said? Not long. Just a night. And then the, early the next morning, they were getting ready. My prayer for us in our obedience to God's voice is when he speaks... We obey. What God says to do, we don't have to ponder and think and debate. We do it. And, and God is getting this house, Weston, as a church. He's getting us ready for what he has in front of us. We had Vision Sunday in January. Go back and listen. Go on YouTube. Find us. Watch it. Because we posted it. Because we believe that God is priming us, getting us ready for this step of obedience, that what maybe used to take us a long time, let's have a board meeting, let's have uh, votes, and let's have opinions, and I believe that some things God will have us do, maybe not today, but in the near future, is going to require us to be in tune with His voice, that the question is not just individually, but as a church, will we be obedient? Will we, or we say, well, that, okay, let's wait for next year's Vision Sunday, and, and, and we'll consider it then. But if God speaks, are we listening as a church? Are we ready to go? And as church leadership, this applies to us in a very real way. 
Because we don't want to miss, if God is saying, you got to do this, this is part of the promise for Weston. we got to be in step with God. Can you say amen? So what to do when God gives you a promise? Be available. Be obedient. And by the way, uh, your obedience to God, it's even when it seems counterintuitive to your promise. When it seems counterintuitive. This son, Isaac, was... The, the promise of God was dependent on Isaac. We already established that today. But what God was telling him to do with Isaac was counterintuitive to the promise. But yet Abraham still obeyed. So we have some goals for our church. You might have some goals for your life. Some things that obviously are in line with the promise of God for your life. That are in line for the promise of God for our church. But there might be some things when God speaks that seem like it's a counterintuitive step. But if God is the one speaking, we still have to obey. And, and it's important. I know we're saying yes, and I thank you for the agreement this morning in, to God's word. But that's the easier part is to, to agree with me. But will you agree with God and do it? That's, that's the test. That's when the rubber hits the road. Number three is be prepared. Be prepared. The, the Bible's clear in verse three that it says he woke up early the next morning. He got his donkey ready. He took the two servants and he prepared the firewood. I mean, if you know the story, that's not news to you. But what I do want to highlight in this point of preparation is that a lot of times we just are waiting on God. And we just say, well, God made the promise. God allowed us to have this son, Isaac. And now God's going to do the rest. In our lives, I don't believe that that is the only story or the only part of the story. Because for Abraham to walk in the obedience that God called him for this situation with Isaac, he had to prepare the wood for the sacrifice. He had to get the fire ready. He had to get the donkey ready. He went with the servants because the journey was three days. They had to get there. My thing is this. If, if you are waiting on God, you're going to be disappointed. because, And I've said it before. God is likely waiting on you. You see, David in the Bible, King David, he was a shepherd in the beginning. Though he was anointed to be king, that didn't happen for a very long time, about two decades, 20 years. What, what's that time called? It's the preparation, which is part of the process of getting you ready for everything that God has in store. That's called the process and the preparation I already said it, but when God rescued his people out of Egypt, it was a three-day journey, but the process and preparation for them was 40 years. It was 40 years, and they had to learn a lot of lessons in the wilderness. And so I want to submit this thought to you, right? When David didn't just get up one day to kill Goliath, it didn't just like oh, I'm going to wake up and my dad's sending me here. I'm, oh, there's a giant. Let's kill the giant. The reason why David was equipped, obviously God was on his side, number one. But this is what David said. I've killed the lion and the bear. This giant is no different. So in other words, the preparation already took place when he was watching the sheep that to kill the giant, he's like, well, the same God who helped me protect the flock is the same God that's going to help me kill this giant. It's no different. The preparation and the work and the process was already there in his life. He knew what to do. Again, with David, God took him from leading sheep to leading God's people. He didn't just call, and, and God can do it. He can just fast track you. And say, you are unqualified, but I will equip you regardless. But I want to say that more than likely, there is a season of preparation. That God is grooming you and preparing you. That you can't overlook. And I want to say this. That maybe the work you find yourself doing today does not align with the future that you feel God has for you. What do I want to say to you? 
if you feel that way, I believe it's just a season of preparation. I believe it's just a season where God is, is grooming you. He's chiseling things out of your life. He's, he's equipping you in ways that maybe you don't even understand. But I see it in the life of David. If you learn to lead sheep, you can lead people. I mean, they're both stubborn, right? <laughs> it's a joke. But it's true because you all laughed. If you can lead sheep, then you could graduate and lead people as well. So don't underestimate where God has you today. Don't, don't just get upset with God. But I believe it's the incubator. I love that word. The incubator where God is getting you ready. He's growing you in your skill set, in your character, in your temperament, in your waiting, and in your patience. That he's grooming you and he's getting ready, getting you ready for what he has in store. So when God gives you a promise, and, and for Abraham, he has this son, that's not the end of the promise. That's just the beginning of having the, you know, so many descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky or as the sand at the shore. It, they're innumerable. That's, that's God's point. You won't even be able to count them. But there's a season of preparation. And so when God gives you a promise, you hang on to it. You hang on to it. You be available to God still. While I'm too busy, I, I'm, I'm hanging on to the promise of God. I'm standing on the promise. I can't move from this place. No, you be available. Be obedient. But also be prepared. The, the flip side of that is you sit on your couch and you just wait. And you do nothing. And I, I'm a firm believer. It's easier to move a ship that's at sea, right? The rudder is so small, but if it's already in motion, just, and that little degree of difference as it's moving becomes a whole other destination. So pay attention to the preparation because it's easier to move uh, a boat that's already in motion at sea than a ship that's docked, right? There's a lot more work that's going to be required because it just sat there and it's not even uh, in motion yet. You have to untie it, get, get everything on board, get everything ready, send off. Whereas if you're already in that preparation season and you're moving in step with God, guess what? It's just a slight tweak here, a little degree there, and God gets you aligned as you're heading towards the destination He has for you. So that preparation is very important, and, and David is a great example of that. Don't get lazy in the season of preparation. Be prepared even when you don't understand how what you are doing in the present is tied to your promise. I'm going to say it again. Be prepared even if when you don't understand how what you are doing in the present is tied to your promise. Number four, be committed. Number four, be committed. The Bible tells us in verse four that on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. So he had three long days to think about all the different ways he could bail from this trip. All the different ways that he could divert from what they had set out to do. That's a long time. Some of us in the moment, maybe because we like the impulse of saying yes and we just set out. But as you're in the journey... You kind of, your brain catches up with your body. And, and there's this reality of this is insane. Like my son Isaac is carrying the wood for the sacrifice on his own shoulders. Up the mountain we go. Like, is, are we really doing this, God? Right? And it's like we obey. We're all there. But the commitment part is important as well. Because you could be available and obedient and prepared but once you have some time to think, you always have that option to bail out. But I want to submit to you that we ought to be committed, Christians. We ought to be committed that when we say yes to God, the Bible says, let your yes be yes. With our children at home, my wife's smiling, because we were saying this, you know, let your yes be yes. And uh, those last couple of phrases at the end, the last couple of words in that phrase sound like an abbreviation. Let your yes be S. 
BS. So my, cho- my son, or I forget if it was Abby or Joe, were saying it differently. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's let your yes, the word be, yes. And, and it's like there's no BS in the sentence. It's let your yes be yes. And I was like, it means you're going to do what you say you're going to do. So stay the course. Be committed. Be committed. They were traveling for quite a while. And I'm sure Abraham's rehearsing how, is all, like how this is all going to go down. Up until now, Isaac really hasn't asked him the important question. It's coming. But he hasn't asked him yet. And so as a father, you could just imagine, what do I tell him when he's going to clue in and ask? He was a teenager. He, he was smart enough to figure something out. Dad, where's the sacrifice? We have the fire and we have the wood, but where's the sacrifice? So number four, be committed. Number five, worship. 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 Everything that Abraham did, I love it because he said, we're going to, he told the servants, stay here. The boy and I, we're going to go on and we're going to worship the Lord there and we're going to come back. Now, truthfully, I don't know if this was like Abraham speaking in faith. Like that's all we're going to do. We're going to offer a sacrifice, which is going to be worship. And then we're going to come back down. I don't know if that was like him speaking in faith, meaning I'm coming back with my son and God has a plan, and I don't know. We can't read into it in that way. But we just know what he says, that this is what we're going to do. We're going to go up there, and we're going to worship. But what's interesting is that you have to keep your promise on the altar of God. And that's what I want to say in regards to worship. That the thing is, we have to... Put our lives on the altar of God, Romans 12, 1 and 2. God, I give you my life as a living sacrifice, right? This is our reasonable act of worship to God. But the the thing with the living sacrifice is we could crawl off the altar, right? So the question is, as you're in this season, are you continuing to worship the Lord and keeping the promise of God on the altar of God? Because essentially, that's what Abraham's doing. He's taking Isaac, this promised son, that through his son, he will be blessed. And there will be, he will be the father of a great nation. But he's taking this son and placing him on the altar of God as a sacrifice. But Abraham says, we're going to go worship. So we're, he's not saying we're going to kill my son. He's still viewing it as worship as unto God. And, and I want you to know that in the testing of life, is your all on the altar of God? Are you still willing to worship God with everything that is within you? Are you still in the waiting, after the preparation, are you still willing to worship? Are you still willing to say, God, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you everything. You, you can still have it all, God. Are you still willing to worship even when it doesn't make sense? Are you? Because the question is, or the, the, the beauty in it is, when we do that, despite what we're going through, our worship carries weight in heaven. I want you to know that. If, if the word of God is our sword, worship is how we swing it. And so it's important that we understand that worship doesn't matter what you're going through. doesn't matter what Abraham was about to to go through with his son. He didn't know the outcome. We know, but he didn't know what was going to actually happen. But his outlook was worship. This is what we're going up there to do. We worship on the mountain of God. We worship. And I want you to know that even in your hardest of days, like we prayed for all these people, the known requests who are struggling with sickness and, and cancer and all of that, broken hip. Can you worship God through the pain? And will you worship God through the pain? When life doesn't make sense, you can throw up a why or you could throw up your hands in worship. My prayer is that we would choose to worship God no matter what it costs. You know what David said? I I won't give God something that didn't cost me. I won't give God something that didn't cost me. So your worship 
oftentimes will come at a cost, will be a sacrifice of praise. But are you willing to still offer it to God? That's the question. So Abraham was getting ready with his son to do this, but he viewed it as worship. And he told them, you guys stay here. The boy and I are going to go on a little further. And that's worship. Number six is remain faith-filled. Remain faith-filled. And we're coming to the end of the message today. Remain faith-filled. Look at verse 6 with me. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them walked on together. And Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? And I want to highlight Abraham's response in verse 8. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And I love this part. And they both walked on together. They continued right on with what they were about to do. And there will be questions that you might have, and it's okay. But I love the faith that Abraham does display because he's declaring out of his own mouth now, the Lord will provide. He didn't know it for sure. He didn't. But he said the Lord will provide a sheep. The Lord will provide. My question is, do you trust God for his providence? Do you trust him that if you will give up your one and only, that he is still the God who provides? Do you trust him in that way? Remain faith-filled, even when it doesn't make sense. This is the outlook we must have. And so God spoke this promise to Abraham. Abraham now is faced with the reality. They're ascending the mountain. He's preparing the altar. He's getting everything ready. He ties his son and lays him on the altar. He ties him. He, he couldn't get, it, get out. Could you imagine Isaac thinking, but dad, you said that God will provide. Can, like, like this conversation is not there, but I'm just envisioning, God, dad, you said that God would provide the sheep, but why am I being tied to this? By the way, there's a type of Christ we find in the story. I don't have time to get into it, but as Jesus was like a lamb led to the slaughter. The Bible says that he carried the cross up the mountain. And and that was the place of God's provision for you and for me, for salvation, for healing, for deliverance, for everything that we would need. And and it's a type of of this. This is a type of Christ. And, And we see Isaac carrying the wood. He is the sacrifice. And in the moment where... His father's about to go through with it. The angel of God appears and calls, Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a hand on the boy. And I want you to know that for Abraham, he declared it, God will provide. And it wasn't until he was ready to go through in full and complete obedience to God that for himself, He then knew God as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. You see, unless Abraham walked in obedience straight up until that point, I doubt he would have been able to know God as Jehovah Jireh. You see, you won't understand why God tells you to do something, but God's heart is always for you. It was a time of testing, and he wanted to seal this promise once and for all with Abraham. Because now he said, listen, Abraham's acts of obedience changed the status of the promise. Now they became sworn guarantees. Because God said, I will swear on my own name now. That, that God means business. And in his obedience, he had a new revelation of who God was in his life. God, you are the one who provides. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Listen, I'm telling you, unless you obey God fully, God wants to reveal himself to you in new ways, in a fuller way, in deeper ways. And sometimes the only way you will know God deeper and fully is by walking in complete obedience, even when it doesn't make sense. 
For Abraham, he got to know God as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And, and now it's a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, he provides. God has a place of provision. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet this morning. Abraham's obedience prompted God to guarantee his promise with an oath. And by the way, I close with this. Galatians 3.29 The promise for Abraham is still in effect today. And Galatians 3.29 says this. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's in the New Testament. And so if you are in Christ today, you are an heir according to the promise. So everything that God promised Abraham and his descendants as believers, because of what Jesus did for you and for me, we get to lay claim and we are heirs as well of that promise. Jew and Gentile. And so there's a blessing for God's people. Today, I don't know if you sense that, that blessing of God, but I want you to know this. The promise of God's provision is a very real promise. And I don't know who needs to hear this. I'm well aware of the time, but I need you to hear this before we go anywhere. That there are people here, I sense the Holy Spirit wanting you to know this, this thing of provision and I've said it a lot lately, but I think it's culminating to this moment that we have to learn to live open-handed. That we think that by, by holding on to what we have is how we're going to get to the next level in, our, in the area of finances in our lives. Or how we're going to get to the next level of promotion in our workplace. By holding on to what is ours. But God is wanting all of us to hear this and to know this that's not the way He does it. He does it in our lives by living open-handed. Living open-handed. As He sees that th money can pass through your hand, He can put more in. But you see, you want to know God as Jehovah Jireh, your provider. But if you hold on to this, this is what you're trusting to be your source. But as we live open-handed, we say, God... You're the one who provides. It's not my, my boss who writes the paycheck, but it's you who gave me the, the job. Lord, it's, it's not my money. It's your blessing in my life. It's your blessing. So we want to know him and this promise of provision. Well, then get to know who God is and, and make sure that he has your heart. Because once he has your heart, your money follows after that. But, but what you hang on to, you oftentimes will lose. What you hang on to, you oftentimes will lose. But I know that with God, He is the one who provides. He is faithful. He is able to make a way where there is no way. Because this is who our God is, and it's what He does for us. Can you say amen? Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.